Welcome. You are listening to a recording provided for the use of the blind and print impaired. Materials or items read on Airs LA are the copyright property of the original authors and publishers. No unauthorized use or duplication is permitted. I'm Ernesto Sambrano. Today's article is by Stephen Witt from the June 2022 edition of GQ. Crypto.com is coming for you. With a little help from Matt Damon and LeBron James. Part 2. Please note, this is a men's magazine and as such, may include offensive topics or language. There is also the industry's ongoing problem with hackers. In January, Crypto.com admitted that hackers have bypassed its two-factor authentication codes to gain access to the accounts of 483 customers and proceeded to steal over $30 million. In the majority of cases, we prevented the unauthorized withdrawal, and in all other cases, customers were fully reimbursed, a company press release said. Sanders observed that, more recently, Crypto.com has added sending authentication codes via SMS text messaging, a practice he called insane due to potential insecurities. Finally, there is the industry's issues with money laundering, particularly in light of the sanctions levied against Russia following the invasion of Ukraine. Marzalek dismissed this concern. This is, in fact, the worst way to try to avoid sanctions because everything is in a public ledger and fully traceable and monitored in real time, he said. Marzalek added that his early partnership with Visa had put him ahead of the industry on compliance with anti-money laundering, AML, statutes, and on this point, Sanders agreed. From an AML perspective, I think they're doing a good job. That's a rare compliment for me. Marzalek is not blind to the flaws of cryptocurrencies. I don't think there's any chain out there today that is technically capable of doing what is required for mass adoption to happen, he said. First-generation blockchains, like the one that powers Bitcoin, are slow and remarkably inefficient. The Bitcoin network, as a whole, can process from 3 to 7 transactions per second. The Visa network can process 76,000 transactions per second. Programmers can use second-generation blockchains like Ethereum to build decentralized applications that operate across multiple computer systems, but the platform's slow transaction speed, about 15 per second, and resulting fees can prevent those apps from scaling. Where we are today with the tech, comparing it to the old internet days, we are still not even broadband. We're at the modem days, Marzalek told me. Investors have been waiting for a killer app for cryptocurrency, but Marzalek warned that this would resemble an extinction-level event for more established tokens if it ever arrived. Today, a killer app would probably take down each and every chain that is out there in production, he said. Marzalek also told me he was using the Kronos blockchain to build something amazing, but wouldn't tell me what it was. I asked him if he was excited about it. Like a five-year-old, he said, without a trace of emotion in his voice. Marzalek was born in Poland in 1979. He was raised in a small rural village with a population of about 100 people. His childhood was happy, and he spent a lot of time playing in the forest, only dimly aware that he lived under a communist regime. I'd go to the store and there would be nothing, he said. It would be unimaginable today, just empty shelves. By the time Marzalek was a teenager, Poland had emerged from the shadow of the Soviet Union. At 15, Marzalek embarked on his career as an entrepreneur selling wholesale computer hardware and software. He attended university but dropped out before completion. In 2003, one of his business associates offered him the chance to move to Hong Kong. In Hong Kong, there were successes and then some failures, Marzalek said. The successes included B-Crazy, a discount deal aggregator similar to Groupon. B-Crazy marketed coupons for partnering businesses like restaurants and travel agencies. It was acquired for about $20 million in 2013 by iBuyGroup, 
and the rolled-up companies would later be rebranded as the Australia-based Insogo. In 2014, Marzalek became Insogo's CEO. Insogo, like Groupon, soon ran into trouble. Marzalek described the situation there as a turnaround, except it did not turn around. In 2016, nearly two years after Marzalek took over, Insogo's board announced it would cease its operations in Southeast Asia. Marzalek says he opposed the decision and resigned as CEO in response. Some merchants who had participated in the coupon program said they were stiffed. The Hong Kong police reportedly received more than 300 complaints from merchant partners. One merchant, in an interview with the Hong Kong Standard, said that she had lost 20,000 Hong Kong and noted that Be Crazy had launched a marketing push just weeks before the closure. It seems to us that they wanted to make huge business from us one last time before they closed down. Crypto.com says there was no finding of wrongdoing during Marzalek's tenure, and that he has not been involved with Insogo in any way since his resignation. While Insogo was shuttering its Southeast Asia operations, Marzalek was found in the company that became Crypto.com. Its original name was Monaco, and the original business plan was to market prepaid debit cards. These cards were linked to Monaco's own cryptocurrency, known as the Monaco token, with payment processing handled by Visa. But in 2018, the value of Bitcoin dropped by 78%, taking the Monaco token's value down with it. It was then that Marzalek executed an extraordinary series of marketing cues that would eventually turn his prepaid debit card startup into a household name. Marzalek first approached Matt Blaze, a law and computer science professor who had owned the Crypto.com web domain for more than two decades. Blaze was an outspoken critic of cryptocurrencies. Cryptocurrency somehow combines everything we love about religious fanatics with everything we love about Ponzi schemes, he wrote in a tweet from 2017, and it stated that his domain was not for sale. Eventually, it was. The terms of the deal remained private, but in 2018, Blaze sold the domain, and Monaco was rebranded as Crypto.com. Blaze did not respond to requests for comment, and Marzalek declined to discuss the details of the deal, but he did tell me he believed Blaze received hundreds of offers. Marzalek, along with Stephen Khalifowitz, Crypto.com's chief marketing officer, began looking for a way to leverage the brand. In March of last year, the company announced it was sponsoring Aston Martin's F1 team. Later that month, Crypto.com announced its logo would appear near the center ice of the Montreal Canadiens. In June, it announced a second F1 deal, worth $100 million, to become Formula One's global partner for five years. In July, it announced a $175 million 10-year deal to sponsor the gear of UFC fighters. In September, the company became the official cryptocurrency platform partner of Paris Saint-Germain, then scored the jersey deal with the 76ers later in the month. Marzalek and Khalifowitz maintained straight faces when they told me that young men were not their target demographic. Then came the Damon commercial. Marzalek and Khalifowitz modeled the advertisement after Apple's legendary Think Different campaign, looking for a script that didn't refer to crypto trading directly, but reached directly into the achievement-hungry part of the human brain. They hired Piera Odell, an upstart advertising agency, which came back with the firm's tagline, Fortune favors the brave. After kicking ideas around, the two decided the spot would end with the colonization of Mars. Going to Mars is a very strong crypto concept, right? Khalifowitz told me. We're going to have programmable money, and that's what we're going to use in outer space. It just makes so much sense if you're a futurist. When I talked to Khalifowitz, via Zoom, he was using a space station as a backdrop, but he told me he found early versions of the spot, which featured an anonymous narrator, lackluster. He soon realized what was missing. Celebrity. We knocked our heads together on this one, Khalifowitz said, 
before it finally came to them. Matt Damon. Matt Damon ticks so many boxes, right? He exhibits bravery as a person, right? He's globally known, right? We can put him around the world and everybody will know his voice. Oh, and he won the Oscar for The Martian. Damon was nominated for Best Actor, but did not win. At this point, the story becomes astonishing. Damon had done a small amount of commercial work, but it never appeared as the face of a brand. Khalifowitz and Marzalek were able to talk him into it. Part of the attraction was the creative team. The Crypto.com spot was directed by Wally Pfister, Christopher Nolan's former cinematographer. And Damon is playing Leslie Groves, the director of The Manhattan Project, in Nolan's forthcoming movie Oppenheimer. Damon also donated his appearance fee to Water.org, a clean water charity he co-founded, and Crypto.com made an accompanying donation. I appreciate the partnership with Crypto.com and I'm grateful for their support of Water.org, Damon said in an email. When I asked Marzalek how a former coupon merchant running a rebooted prepaid debit card company out of quarantine in Hong Kong had managed to secure Damon, one of the most respectable and popular faces on the planet, to be the public face of crypto, he said, I think it was the material. If you read the copy of this piece of work, I'm very proud of it. The next play was the naming rights to the home of the Lakers. Staples Center was so closely associated with the legacy of Kobe Bryant and his five championships that fans often forgot its name derived from Staples, Inc., the derelict office supply chain that is currently being gutted in a private equity bust-out. For several years, the stadium's owners, AEG, have been looking for a new partner. Staples was a domestic company that was shrinking their footprint, Todd Goldstein, AEG's chief revenue officer, told me. We wanted someone who had global ambitions. Much of Goldstein's professional life revolves around naming deals. I met him at the Lexus Club at Crypto.com Arena, adjacent to Xbox Plaza. The deal he helped negotiate with Crypto.com paid AEG $700 million over 20 years, but Goldstein told me the company was far from the highest bidder. We had other companies offer us more money, he said. Interestingly enough, I've had companies offer us more money since we announced the deal, including a buyout. Goldstein turned that buyout down. You want a partner who's going to be really thoughtful over the course of the next two decades, without just looking for the big splash in the first year, he said. I pointed out that Crypto.com was not yet six years old, and that for two of those years the company had a different name. They were really smart and astute. It was the most natural and organic conversation that we had, Goldstein said. I can tell you right now, though, we wouldn't have done the deal as Monaco. We wouldn't be in the Monaco arena right now. How was Marzalek doing it? Not through stage presence, certainly. During our calls, he spoke in a quiet voice, and sometimes when I asked him a question, he would look at the floor for a long time before answering. At one point in our conversation, he looked at the floor for so long, I thought his Zoom had crashed. I apologize for not warning you about the long pauses, Matt David told me later. I'm normally really good about warning people about that. But when Marzalek finally responded, the answer was always diplomatic, even bulletproof, as if he'd simply been polishing it in the rock tumbler of his mind. There's been a lot of grit, tenacity, and creativity, Marzalek said of his epic string of marketing deals. But the ability to listen has also been very important. Marzalek told me he likes to put himself in the other person's shoes and understand their likely points of mental resistance, then work, point by point, to address them. Listen intently. What is the concern on the other side of the table? Empathy, I said. You're talking about empathy. Empathy is very important, Marzalek said. Wanting to see things from the Cetacean perspective, I wrote to Mark Cuban, owner of the Dallas Mavericks and noted crypto whale. Cuban made his fortune selling the overvalued Broadcast.com to Yahoo in 1999, 
then famously traded options on his Yahoo stock as a hedge against his windfall. It was the trade of a lifetime, especially after the bubble burst, but he doesn't see a parallel with crypto. Most of the apps like Crypto.com are centralized exchanges that are actually very profitable, Cuban said in an email. He contended that sports stadium operators will accept below market rates for sponsorship because they see these companies can grow significantly, which means there are future opportunities. The possibility of a crash was always present, as Cuban knew better than anyone, but for now, he sees a bull market. Last October, the Mavericks signed a sponsorship deal with the crypto trading platform Voyager, and in January, Cuban told John Stewart that 80% of his new investments outside of Shark Tank are in the crypto space. Over the course of writing this article, my altcoin portfolio appreciated a little. I also accumulated a fair amount of interest, scored some Kronos kickbacks, and was comped a month of Spotify. I still didn't really understand why people wanted to own cryptocurrency, or why it was so expensive or complicated, but it felt good to be a joiner. Matt Damon was right. Looking to commune with the tribe, I visited the long-running Crypto Mondays meetup in Venice Beach. We met under patio lights in the parking lot of an upscale Mexican restaurant, which had been converted, during the pandemic, into an outdoor bar. I'd been to a similar event, years earlier, a total sword fight, where feverish dweebs lectured one another about distributed ledgers. Since then, crypto had enjoyed a social upgrade. In Venice, the attendees were diverse, funny, smart, beautiful, and cool. I felt like I was in a vodka commercial. No one I spoke to could remember who first organized the event. One attendee told me it was spontaneous or decentralized. Some of the participants have been coasting for years on the proceeds of their swollen Bitcoin wallets. Others, like me, were just getting started. I talked with a recent college grad and former javelin thrower. Jacked and bro adjacent, he belonged to the demographic that Crypto.com refuses to admit at targets. But when I asked him about the company, he scoffed. No one I know uses it. Similarly dismissive was Jackie Peters, a stylish entrepreneur who is building a blockchain-enabled dating app called Trust. The app will use Web3 technology to restore authenticity to online dating. Peters was still in the process of selecting which blockchain she would use, but Kronos was not a contender. There's nothing on there, technically, that would attract me, she said. I'm thinking of using a blockchain called Avalanche. Of the dozen or so attendees I spoke with, only Apu Gomez, a Brazilian photographer, had any direct experience investing with Crypto.com. Gomez, who was looking to market NFTs of his photographs, was also a small-time speculator. In the weeks after Damon's commercial first aired, Kronos had quintupled in value. The company's next commercial, which featured LeBron James, ran during the Super Bowl. It went down, Gomez said. I sold it to buy Solana. Many of the attendees seemed to be nursing hangovers. That was thanks, in part, to Audrey Pitchy, an organizer of NFT slash LA, which had concluded earlier that week, and which billed itself as an epic IRL conference fused with immersive metaverse integrations and LA's robust nightlife scene. Pitchy, who was born on the Caribbean island of Guadalupe, wore a leather jacket and bounced from side to side in excitement as she spoke. Up until a month ago, we weren't even sure how many people were going to show, but 4,000 people came. NFT slash LA had been held in the convention center adjacent to Crypto.com Arena. Hearing this, the javelin thrower reconsidered his dismissive stance. You know, what he's doing is smart, he said to Marzalek. You've got blockchain companies that have been around since 2013, and they don't even have a marketing officer. This space is forbidding to outsiders. Other companies are building technology, but they're investing in glamour. I looked around the parking lot, with its warm glow and dazzling people. That's smart, 
It's undervalued. They're building an on-ramp, he said. I went inside, ordered a drink, handed the bartender my Crypto.com card, and awaited his reaction. Nothing. That's a crypto card, I said. He nodded. I'm paying with cryptocurrency, I said. With Bitcoin. Well, actually not Bitcoin, but Kronos, which is like Bitcoin. We don't take Bitcoin, he said. Well, let's just run it and see if it works, I said. I'm unsure what I expected. Fanfare? Banners? A handshake from Satoshi Nakamoto? But the transaction was processed, and the bartender left to serve another customer. Crypto was here, and not only was it stupid, it was boring. Marzalek had won. That brings us to the end of today's article. Crypto.com is coming for you. Part 2. If you want to learn more about Erzale and the types of programs we offer, follow us by clicking on any of the social media links at the top of our webpages. If you like what you see or hear, please click the like button. This podcast is for the sole use of our blind, low vision, and print-impaired listeners. Any unauthorized use is prohibited. I'm Ernesto Sambrano, and I'll be back soon with another article. Thanks for listening.